0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. This is now the um, eighth meeting of our Eightfold Path um, group. This is on right concentration, the the eighth element of the path. And so today uh, we have the two speakers. One, um, you know, of course, Kim Allen. She's been here a number of times. In fact, some of you may uh, have her as your mentor. And then on the far right is Shelley Galt. She's also one of the uh, Eightfold Path mentors. She's a long-term seasoned practitioner uh, drove up from Santa Barbara, where she lives, to uh, talk with us today. Um, and I understand she's re- recently undertaken a new form of practice called grandmother practice. So uh, perhaps she'll share some of that with us as well. So the way the day is, the afternoon's going to go is that um, uh, Kim will start with a guided meditation and a Dharma talk, and then we'll have a breakout session, and then um, there'll be a break and then um, in the second half, Shelley will also do a guided meditation, a talk, and we'll do another breakout session, so much like the previous months, so I think that's about it, so I'll turn it over to Kim.
0: this on yeah okay great so we'll start with um, with some meditation so that we can arrive so please settle in and find your comfortable upright posture bringing your attention into the room you're no longer arriving you have arrived so we can be here And it can be helpful at the beginning of a sit to bring the attention explicitly to the posture of the body and feel the uprightness. Find a position that is in some way noble, like the Noble Eightfold Path. And then relax into that. You can even rock a little bit to make sure that your body feels upright, you're really balanced on that contact points. And then gently bring your attention inward to the sensations of breathing. breath coming in, going out, just as it is. It can help to tune into the very elemental sensations of this natural process of breathing. Feelings like coolness or tension, tingling, motion, warmth, Noticing the in-breath and the out-breath. Noticing the very beginning of the in-breath. That first touch against the nostrils or the upper lip, what does the very beginning of an in-breath feel like? And then the change through the whole length of the in-breath, increasing tension, sensations through other parts of the body, maybe even beyond the lung area. And then there's kind of a slowing down. At some point, the in-breath stops. There may or may not be a gap, and then there's the very beginning of the out-breath. What does that feel like? That first little release down through the whole length of the out-breath Relaxation, warmth, <coughs> changes in the shape of the body. all the way down through the fading, more subtle sensations of the end of the outbreath. What is that like this time? there may or may not be a gap and then there's the arising of another in-breath into that space. Gently being with the whole length of the breath, the whole body of the breath. just resting and rocking with its motion. You may feel the breath most clearly in one spot. You might notice if there's a spot like that, maybe in the nose or the throat or the belly. And if there is, it can be helpful to bring the attention right to that spot where it's clear. Some people find it helpful to be with the whole body as it's breathing, more of a global sensation that then tracks the specific sensations of each breath. See what works for you. To be able to settle in with the breath in a way that's relaxed and present. can be helpful on the out breath to consciously relax the body. Taking that as an opportunity each out breath to release a little bit more tension that we may be carrying And if the mind is drifting away, becoming caught in a thought or just getting dull, it's okay, just bring it back to the breath or allow the breath to re-arise into awareness. Connecting again with the sensations of breathing Gently reconnecting with the breath and sustaining through the whole cycle of the in-breath, the out-breath and everything in between. sustaining the attention gently, perhaps the way a potter touches the wet clay on the wheel, gently touching the breath. And if you notice any feelings of ease or joy, peace associated with this simple connection, fine to include those in your awareness Letting go of other thoughts or feelings that arise in favor of connecting and sustaining with the breath, including any ease or joy associated with that. So gently coming back into the room from your Samadhi bubble. <laughs> so as Jim noted, the eighth and final step of the Eightfold Path is right or wise concentration. Actually, it's it's sama Samadhi, and Samadhi is usually translated as concentration. But the word has the word concentration has a lot of associations in English, some of which are not meant by the word samadhi. So we have to be a little bit careful. And today we're going to actually spend quite a bit of time exploring more carefully what the Buddha meant by this step on the path. What is concentration and what is wise concentration, because there can be a lot of associations and we'll learn a little bit about what it is and a little bit about what it isn't also so that we can clarify some of that so my talk now will focus more on concentration the kind of concentration that we can achieve and sustain in our daily lives in our regular activities and then Shelley is going to talk about concentration on the cushion more in the second half So maybe that's the first thing to know about concentration, actually, is that it can happen both on and off the cushion. It's not just a very deep uh, focused state that we achieve after a lot of hard work on the cushion, Um, although the Buddha did specifically talk about it mostly in that context. But there are other, other ways to have the same qualities that come about in that deep state on the cushion, those same qualities can be present at many times in our lives. And in fact, cultivating those qualities in our daily life and in our more regular meditation practice prepares the mind to achieve the deeper states that the Buddha meant by right concentration on the cushion. So what are the key qualities that we'll be talking about Essentially, the mind is attentive or mindful in a fairly continuous way. It is unified and it's happy. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> that uh, happiness is a condition for concentration. Now, if you're not happy, don't worry. Um, it's, uh, it comes about in many ways. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about how, that, how those factors are related And in addition, concentration has a wholesome intention behind it. So I'll include that piece in addition. So notice that on the path, concentration arises out of mindfulness, the seventh step, right? Right mindfulness and then right concentration. So it's very important that mindfulness is present, in a state that we would call concentrated. So remember that mindfulness is knowing what's happening as it's happening. And it's quite easy for us to be in states where we're highly focused in some way but we're not very mindful. Yeah, We're not really aware of what's happening as it's happening in that sense of having the ability to observe what's going on the way mindfulness does. We'll talk a little bit about that in more detail but essentially uh, perhaps the simplest way to understand right concentration is to understand then that it arises out of the continuity of mindfulness. That's why I was stressing sustaining the attention. So when we have continuous mindfulness, not every single moment for twenty minutes in a row, but you know fairly continuous in t- intention and ability to stay with what's happening, then the mind naturally becomes gathered together and focused and eventually concentrated. You may have noticed already in practice that you have more moments of mindfulness now than you did eight months ago or seven months ago. And that when you depart from mindfulness, you return more quickly. That is the movement toward continuity of mindfulness. And as long as we're moving toward that, you don't have to worry that you're not mindful every moment of the day. A concentrated mind... Or Gill sometimes calls it a composed mind, which I think also has interesting, you know, maybe is a more helpful way to understand it. A concentrated or composed mind is somehow unified. So, a mind in a mind that isn't unified, you may simultaneously experience emotions about a problem that happened yesterday, uh, thoughts about what to make for dinner, uh, the intention to listen to the person who's talking to you. And some kind of body sensation that's going on, and that's all happening at once, and your mind is jumping between these different things, and you're not really present for any of them, right? Because you have your mind is scattered in these different directions. So that would not be a unified mind. But in a more unified or concentrated mind, our thoughts, our feelings, our body sensations, our intention tends to be gathered around what's happening in the present moment, something, or even a theme that we've chosen in particular. Also concentration arises along with this feeling of joy or happiness that I mentioned earlier we're not going to become well concentrated on something that we're doing out of obligation or with reluctance or with resentment. You know, when we have these kind of negative feelings going on, it's not going to be very good concentration that we can achieve with that. But interestingly, it is possible to have concentration along with unpleasant feeling tone. It's not necessarily that the, what we're doing has to be pleasant but there can be joy and happiness there, associated simply with the fact that we're present. Uh, as a simple example, I once got quite concentrated cleaning a really nasty stove. It was really dirty, and there was a lot of scum on it, and it wasn't that pleasant uh, to be working on that, but I was act, I was um, in a meditative state. I was intending to be mindful, so I Uh, had the continuity of mindfulness and I had the unification around the task because it took a little focus to scrub all that stuff. I can't say it was pleasant, but yet there was a feeling of joy and some happiness around, you know, seeing the result of cleaning that and being there present for that task because my mind was all together. I wasn't resenting the fact that I had to do it and I wanted to go outside. That wasn't there. I was just doing it. So... That's maybe a helpful guide. It is said that even on the cushion, um, people can become concentrated around a feeling of pain, like pain in their knee or pain in their back. It's possible to be mindful of that with the same degree of precision that we were just mindful of the breath in that guided meditation. And it can become, even though we're looking at pain, it can become very joyful to have that kind of focus. The mind wants to be focused, actually. It wants to be unified, present, collected, that's a very pleasant feeling. And that pleasantness is what we're looking for in the concentration. So, when the Buddha-to-be, Siddhartha Gotama, was getting close to his awakening, he had been striving very hard on the path. He had been starving himself, staying out in the elements, injuring his body through strenuous practice, basically really struggling. And he realized at some point this was not leading to him to enlightenment. He was not gaining wisdom from this. And what happened was that he then spontaneously recalled an incident from his childhood. And what he recalled actually was a moment of concentration. Uh, when he was about seven years old, he was sitting quietly under a rose apple tree, uh, watching his father perform a plowing ceremony. His father was kind of a local magistrate, king kind of guy. And in the spring, they have some kind of a plowing ceremony at that, in that culture to you know, support the growing crops. And his father was doing this, and he was just relaxed. He was watching it. He was um, peaceful. He was happy. He was easeful. He was um, aware and attentive in a holistic way. So he had all the qualities there. And he wasn't thinking about what he was going to do next. He wasn't having judgments about what was going on. He was just at ease. And his mind actually entered a state of concentration, Uh, one of the ones you can get on the cushion. He entered the first jhana. And it was um, pleasant. And just the memory of remembering that he actually had the thought, the the Buddha, to be maybe that's the path. And he's decided that he was going to sit down under the bodhi tree and work with that feeling, that feeling of easeful attentiveness and joy that he had experienced as a child and the result was pretty good. (laughs) So that was, that was when he embarked upon reaching enlightenment. So these states of relaxed alertness are available to us too. They're available to us in daily life, they're available to us on the cushion. This is much more what is meant by concentration than some kind of burning into focused attention, um, which sometimes gets evoked with the word concentration. Concentrate on that. Um, Really, I like the word composure that Gil uses much better. Imagine a mind that's composed. It's there, it's attentive, it's poised, it's um, supple, it's responsive that is much more the concentrated mind. So as an example, many people find that driving can induce or is compatible with a certain type of wholesome concentration. Now you may not necessarily be concentrated when you're driving. All kinds of mind states can happen while driving. But imagine that um, you are alert and attentive to what's happening. That's the mindfulness. You have the intention of driving safely. Um, You may... In in that state, you may notice things that are dangerous and look for ways to be courteous to other drivers. You may place part of your attention on your body in order to be in a relaxed posture so that you're more able to turn the wheel uh, in an agile way. And if you see something disturbing, like somebody cuts in front of you, probably if you're in that relaxed, attentive state, you're not going to go off on that. It's just one more thing to be mindful of. Oh, I should be careful. Okay, now it's passed. You know, you're not going to want to let go of the ease and the joy that you have from this concentrated state while driving. So things like that aren't going to upset you. You're not easily distractible. There is a teacher that actually calls concentration undistractability, which I think is an interesting possibility. Opens up for us. The mind is undistractable. It doesn't want to be anywhere but where it is. So this is a form of everyday right concentration. In my own life, I find that wise concentration can happen while I'm cooking. So I need to be aware of what I'm doing, following the recipe. I'm not spacing out or such. Um, But I also have to pay attention in the moment to how things are progressing. Uh, You know, Is this actually cooking in the right way? Is it done yet? Should I take it off? And generally, I'm not attached to the result of my cooking or seeking an image as a cook. Um, If that were there, that would... Bring in some unwholesomeness, but generally I'm just doing it. I'm not trying to impress someone, so it's just the joy of creating and and making this food. Sometimes I have to do something fast while I'm cooking, so it's not that concentration is like this really slow. You know, people who have been on retreat sometimes associate concentration or focus with moving slowly. Not not true. You can move at any speed and be concentrated and mindful. Notice that I included the intention explicitly, so the intention while driving or the intention of not trying to impress anyone. An important element of right concentration is that our mind hasn't been taken over by greed, hatred or delusion. So we don't have those unwholesome roots there, remember right intention, the second step of the path is to not be taken in by greed, hatred or delusion. So there are many examples of what we might call concentration in daily life that include one of these elements, and that's a key distinguisher of when it's not right concentration. So here's an obvious one. A pickpocket has to concentrate to get the wallet out of your pocket. And they're probably pretty focused, and they're probably pretty present, but it's not uh, a good intention. (laughs) So that doesn't really qualify as right concentration. We may focus, concentrate on doing a task well at work. We really want this report to be good, but maybe we're doing it because we're afraid that our reputation will suffer otherwise. We're basing it on fear of how we're gonna look, basically, and that's why we're focused. So that's not quite the uh, the totally wholesome intention. And then another classic example is TV. We may be so focused on TV that we don't hear our partner walk in the room and say, hello, and we're just, we're so concentrated, right, on that program. But it's a very passive kind of attention uh, that the TV induces in us. This is a diluted kind of focus. So it's greed, hatred, and delusion can all be present with something that we might call concentration just if we use the colloquial English understanding of that word. So to recap why samadhi includes mindfulness... The TV example doesn't have mindfulness either, by the way, usually. So mindfulness that's fairly continuous. It's unified, happy, calm, and has wholesome intention. Those are the clues. And as you can imagine, this state is enormously beneficial for ourselves. And if we're doing it out in the world, it's beneficial for the world too. Because you know that when there's one calm person, everybody else can be a little calmer. So what are we contributing to the world that we live in? Are we contributing agitation, greed, hatred, delusion, anxiety, fear? Or are we contributing a mind that's calm, easeful, stable, helps us and helps everyone around us? This is the fruit of practicing the other steps of the path, is to get to a mind that can be in this easeful, calm state. So helpful... Now, a unified mind, as you can imagine, is very pleasant. Uh, Right concentration feels very good in the body and this is a wholesome pleasure that the Buddha actually pointed us toward. But this pleasure is not the purpose and it's not the goal. So even getting to the culmination of the Eightfold Path, there's gonna be something else, which is why we have nine meetings in this group. The purpose of concentration is to see clearly I think Shelley may touch on that a little bit more. But it is the culmination of the path because a mind in that state is poised for what? For insight. Maybe even liberating insight. So may your daily life include more moments of mindfulness leading to more moments of this easeful, joyful focus on what we're doing. Thank you.
1: Kim. So now that we've um, had a chance to listen to Kim describing um, sort of daily life concentration, you're going to get a chance to talk to each other about um, how you experience it. So we're going to break into groups of three. And fortunately, I guess there was a one in three chance that we'd have a number divisible by three. And we do. So um if you want to just um maybe find two people near you and and form a little group and um So uh, I think everybody's just about settled in. I think maybe there's one person that's sort of on a break. Um, So we're going to do two seven-minute rounds. So each person will have about two minutes in the first round and two minutes in the second round. And um, in the first round, we'd like you to describe a daily life activity that naturally brings both awareness and ease to the mind. And then choose one where mindfulness is also present. So just as Kim was talking about, you know, thinking of something in, in your daily life where, you can, where this sense of um, composure and ease tends to arise, and then um, share that with your group. And so you can start now, and in about seven minutes I'll ring the bell, and we'll give you a second um, topic to talk about. Uh, It's concentrating on the wrong thing and not the microphone. Yeah, there's always something else. So the next one would be um, discussing what daily life activity could could be made more this way. So now you've talked about things where it is helpful, you know, that it is possible to uh, develop a sense of concentration. What daily life could be made more this way? And um, how might you do that? So again, we'll have about seven minutes. And uh, just go around the group and we'll ring the bell in about seven minutes. Well, great. I hope you felt a certain um, composure in your discussions, mindfulness. <laughs> um, so now we have a few minutes. Um, we'd like to hear from at least some of you as to uh, what, what did you find? What did you notice? what Were there common themes in your discussions? Um, yes, so...
2: I have a question that my group thought might be good to ask you, even though it's a mind jumble. So, um, I've been wondering what to pay attention to in being mindful in daily life. Is this on? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, because the whole universe is going on all the time, and I can pay attention to my body, or the oneness, or awareness, or list out states or the toothbrush or my emotions or my planning or my mind or I mean it just it's infinite probably and you were talking about that unified awareness I mean or I can pay attention to what's outside or what's inside it's just and of course if I let go of all that it's much better but I just want to ask that question and how to how to be with that question or if there's an answer
1: What? Yeah, I, I was going to say that was the exact same question that came up for me <laughs> in our group about recognizing. In, in regular mindfulness, we often talk about there's something in the foreground and everything else is in the background. So um, perhaps there's just some intention to, for this moment, what are you going to hold in the foreground of your awareness not necessarily that you've then let go of every. I mean like there's all these other things that are going on and those can be in the background of awareness. You know, so for example as I'm talking to you I can hear a subtle sound of the fan from the amplifier back there but that isn't the center. You know, so does um, that, that That's help? so
2: it's like concentrating on the breath. It In meditation it doesn't make everything else go away necessarily but we just keep coming back to the breath so in, in choosing in that moment it's, I'm just asking, maybe it's most helpful like you were saying to focus on what I'm actually doing in the moment <laughs> 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 well, especially if it's cutting vegetables or a conversation or
1: driving
0: you, please I appreciate the, is this on well enough? Okay, I appreciate the foreground, background idea. First of all, your your um, comment, your observation is completely true. There's way more going on in a given moment than we could ever pay attention to. Uh, so that's why it might feel overwhelming if you think abstractly about what, what should I pay attention to. So I would say there are broadly two approaches, and one is to um, Intend to choose something so that's like sitting on the cushion and choosing to be with your breath or Making a decision about I'm reading email right now, and I'm not doing something else in daily life situation And there are times when that's a very appropriate way to be and the mind can gather around that there is also the possibility of um, Allowing your attention to be where it is and notice what you're paying attention to so Andrea uses the example of a dog Um, The attention is like a dog. It's going to go here, there, here, there. And your job is to hold the leash. And notice, and you can actually learn things about your mind by where it goes and what it chooses to pay attention to if you continue to be mindful of that process. So that's another approach. And that is a type of concentration. If you're continually mindful of a changing object, that is also a kind of concentration. So there's concentration on one chosen object, and there's concentration on naturally changing objects. And they're both totally valid.
2: Right. So the concept in the one where we're paying attention to attention, that the concentration is on attention itself, and where it's going. And Mm -hmm. the other one, we we have an intention to be focused on one thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. And either one is fine. Really helpful. Thank you.
1: Mm -hmm. Could you hand the microphone to the (laughs) person?
3: As we were talking, I was thinking that right concentration was not the same as flow, but now I'm thinking maybe it can be flow. Do you have an opinion about that? I don't know exactly what about. Oh, so flow might be when you're doing an activity that you're, you might even be, expert at or you're you're learning or you're doing and you're just so involved in it that you lose yourself so it could be that you're practicing violin because you're a violin player or maybe you're performing and you're just so into the beauty of your what you're creating I don't know that's my question is is flow different than that (coughs) awareness
4: I would say um, it is it is uh, that um, if you're not uh, aware of what's, what you're doing, that um, it, there might be samadhi there. There would be concentration there, but without the mindfulness, it wouldn't be right samadhi. It wouldn't be a wise samadhi. But a, con- but a concentrated state, I think, can be a state in which you are absorbed into the activity that you're doing. You got, will you guys you got, agree? You want to say something? Thank
0: you. And the use of the word right here might be a little uh, off-putting. It's not bad to be in a flow state (laughs) at all. (laughs) And it is... um, I would say some flow states would be something... could be right samadhi if they include this mindfulness component. Other ones would not. Um, And that's fine. Yeah, But the... The presence of some awareness of what's happening is important.
4: Because of the goal of the practice, you know? I mean, if we want to develop uh, wisdom, if uh, insight is to arise, then there needs to be awareness of what's going on. That's, That's kind of part of it. Does that make sense?
3: So in the case of, let's say, you're an artist creating a beautiful painting, or you're a singer you're aware of your singing and your creation but you're not aware of being aware is that the difference like
4: yeah sort of that's a, yeah that's kind of a that's a that's a fine line <laughs> that, that term flow can mean a
2: lot of things that term flow can mean a lot of things but from the psycholo- if you're using it from the psycholo- current psychological way that it's meant it, do, it, it does include awareness and bliss and joy. The, that full state of flow. Yeah, now there's everyday ways of talking about flow that are more checking out, but that's what is meant by it in psychology, in my opinion.
1: So one of the intentions that I have to pay attention to is the clock and our schedule. So I didn't, I didn't lose... Uh, awareness of that. So right now we're going to take a 10 minute break. (coughs) Um, Perhaps you could, yeah, maybe during the break you could come and talk to us, but we we do want to take a break so that you can um, practice maintaining whatever composure and calm you may have um, uh, developed in this first hour. And then we'll, we'll get together in at a at 140.